I'm Kendall Gilding and this is my 30 minutes with Jackie Toombus. Jackie's a nutritionist by trade who turned her love of wholesome food into a thriving cafe called Miss Bliss in Brisbane's West End. At just 32, she recently celebrated five years in business while also focusing on her true passion of hospitality consulting, helping others curate the perfect menu. Jackie's community-minded, 20 cents from every coffee sold at her cafe goes to a charity in West Africa, which which adds up to around $1,000 each month. She also has a burning desire to be a mum one day, so she's taking the bold step of freezing her eggs. She nearly made me cry twice during this chat. It's that honest and real. I hope you enjoy. Here's my 30 minutes with Jackie Toombus. Jackie, good morning. Thank you so much for having me in your beautiful home. I have to say, I'm excited to be here. I have seen this kitchen on your Instagram (laughs) so much. You're always in there experimenting and cooking. How many hours do you think you spend over that bench top? Oh, look, I would spend a good at least three, four days a week, but it's it's not work for me. It is, if I'm having a a big week or I'll plan that, you know what, Sunday afternoon, I'm going to, you know, go into the kitchen. I like, the sun's like it is actually picturesque. You have the sunset, you have everything, and it's just this beautiful, calming feeling for me. So, look, sometimes it's stressful, but other, most of the time, I like to find like my little bit of peace in the kitchen. I think a lot of people would find cooking as a bit of a therapy. I don't know. A lot of people tell me it's like they get stressed about it, or like. But for me, I'm very methodical. So I'll know what am I doing, what time. Like I don't know if I'm having a dinner party, I like plan out the timing of everything and. You know, I put some music on and, you know, find my groove and just really, I think I really sit in it and really enjoy it. You're from a Greek family. Food is a pivotal part of your culture. When did you personally find a love of cooking? I don't think there was a point where I just went, ding, I love cooking. It's been something I've always done. So I remember standing at the kitchen bench on a chair with my grandma stirring the custard for her gala de burico, which is this beautiful custard slice that we make, or, you know, doing those sorts of things with her, helping her, you know, dry out the herbs that it just sort of eventuated. And I sat back and thought, what do I love and what brings me happiness? And then I realized it was actually cooking. Speaking of which, and the beauty of food is it's the great unifier of people. It brings families together and other people. We all eat, so it's (laughs) inevitable we're all going to be interested and love food. You worked out really early that this was something you loved, and at the age of 27, you launched your own cafe, Miss Bliss. It's a Brisbane institution now down there in West End, and this came about because you were making bliss balls while you were still at uni. <laughs> your entrepreneurial nature was already at work, and by your final year, you were supplying 25 Brisbane cafes. What was the biggest challenge you faced when it came to transitioning from making bliss balls to opening your own cafe? For me, it actually all happened quite quickly. So even though it was a process of probably about a year, it felt like I woke up one morning and I had opened a cafe. So it was very difficult in terms of working out costing menus to dealing with staff, hiring staff, firing staff, you know, managing customer complaints or, you know, like it was just 
I know the first few months of Miss Bliss were just, I, I probably can't even remember it to tell you the truth. It was 15 hour days, seven days a week, well, seven days a week, and just a constant wake up and go. And I think that's something that I've always been, it's been instilled in me, but I'm very lucky to have support from, I would say my sister's like my number one fan and her and her husband, my brother-in-law, they're literally two of the best people in this world for me. Um, I have friends that would be like, we'll come help you roll bliss balls, you know, at 10 o'clock at night at Miss Bliss and I'll put something on Netflix and, you know, it was my support network and that, that, that kept me going. I find it really fascinating because making bliss balls and having a love of food to actually running a business are hugely different. And at 27, so many people would never dream of doing what you did, but you chose to jump in and I'm guessing just learn on the fly. Yes. I like the one thing I've always gone by is there is no rule book. And and that's not just with cafe. That's with anything in life. There is no rule book. There is no way how to do things or how not to do things. I've been brought up in hospitality. So I was like helping dad out at our tavern at a young age or working in my uncle's supermarket. Like I've always been around it. So for me, it was just like, well, this is what I do. This is, you know, this is what's going to happen. I, you know, for me having going from my degree in nutrition to hospitality, a lot of people couldn't find the connection there. But for me, it was community health and it was if I can show people there's a way that they can eat healthy, but not to trick them, but enjoy it, then I've done my that I've done what I'm here for. And that's what happened. So I was going to cafes with my dad pre-Miss Bliss. And, you know, he would want bacon and eggs and I would want something healthy. And we, you couldn't find that. It was either one extreme or the other. And I was like, well, let's create a place that is a whole foods focus. I can have a really nice bliss bowl or salad in the morning, a warming salad, and he can have bacon and eggs. Knowing your passion for food and that you were a nutritionist already, how hard was it for you to find a chef? You're not going to be in the kitchen cooking the food, so you need to find someone that aligns with your vision. Look, I went through my fair share to start with, um, but I'm a person that I will always hire on personality and a connection with them. And I learned that. And it took me a little while to learn that. But I was like, if I can connect with this person, we have the same values, we have the same ethics, then anything can, you know, we can think of things together. So um, at the moment, Head Chef Scarlett been with me for over three years, I think, give or take. And we would, at the start, it was like guiding her through, you know, our ethos and what we'll do. Work together for so long, it's just, it just happens now. There's no, this is what we're going to do. We have you find your groove and you find what works. And I feel like with all my staff in that sense, we found that. So it's not as demanding on me anymore. That's fascinating because most people would hire on credentials, history, the things they've done in the past. You look on paper like the best chef possible and really you're looking to more foster their growth as a chef based on a connection. Well, yeah, I think it's just, I don't know, anyone can, we can all, there's so many different things that people can do. And for me, also, I spend more time with my staff than I do my family. So I want to be able to have a connection with them. I want to be able to laugh with them. I want them to also enjoy. Like I, whenever I hire someone, I say to them, okay, let's do a week together. If you love us and we love you, I'll put you on. Because what's the point someone coming to work and hating their job? Because it'll also show to my customers. So true. What do you think was the steepest learning curve in terms of the business that you encountered in those early days? 
I think it was my worth in the shop. So I ran myself so deep down that I I just would come home at 10 o'clock at night, shower, bed, wake up, out the door at 5 a.m. I wasn't looking after myself in my own eating habits. I wasn't looking after, you know, exercise, none of that. And I noticed that that was showing. You know, I wasn't, I couldn't hold staff training because I was exhausted and I couldn't work. And it's what everyone says, work on the business, not in the business. So for me, it was pulling myself out of that and being like, okay, I'm going to put a few extra staff on to cover this, or I'm going to do this or do that. But it's also all the methods and preparation and just, it's all like Tetris. So you want to find the best way, the best thing that works. And I think over the last five years, I've tried everything and anything. And I am, I'm the number one person who'll be like, well, let's give it a go. Because what's, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You've got an incredible work ethic and anyone that knows you or has seen you operate would be well aware of that. There's been some fundamental moments that prove your determination to succeed. I want to take you back to the day you were graduating from university. (laughs) You didn't go to your graduation. Tell me why that was. I worked out that I think it was like every Wednesday was delivery day for Miss Bliss when I was just supplying wholesale customers. And it fell on the same day as grad. And it was sort of like, okay, I could either like try and get all these orders done super quickly and then go to grad and all these different things. And then something just came over and I was like, well, no, this is my job. This is what I'm doing. You know, this is where my priorities are. Hey, I've got the piece of paper. I've got the degree. I don't need to go stand in line or, you know, sit on a stage to be told I've done a good job. So I think it's also knowing my own worth and knowing... I've done that. That's great. But I'm going to push forward. Very cool. Because lots of people feel that sense of turning up and graduation day is a drag. (laughs) It goes for ages. I'm so glad. And I think the whole point of uni is to go there, to get the degree, to go on to have your career. And you're already rolling in that and made the decision not to turn up to your graduation because you had other demands. And that's what being an adult is all about. On top of Miss Bliss, you now spend a lot of your time as a hospitality consultant. So you work with other businesses and owners to refine their food or their menus. And you've described that as your true passion. Have you found it hard to split your time? Oh, yes. It's for someone who loves to be hands on with everything. It is absolutely like it's sometimes I feel like I'm being pushed and pulled. But I've had to find ways to, and it's every Sunday night, I have this thing where I sit down and I'll plan my calendar for the week down to, I'm going to spend two hours on this and one hour on this and my lunch break or my Pilates, you know. And as much as some people might find that quite rigid, for me, it's calming. I know what's coming up. I don't have to think about it. And I'm a big list person. So being able to do that and getting in that mindset, I feel like I can work more efficiently, be much more productive for my clients as well. What would a day look like for you in terms of having to run Miss Bliss plus also maintaining private clients? For me at, at the moment, at this present you know state, I am up at 6. I go to Pilates at 6.30, which is so cruisy because thank God I'm not doing the 5.30 class. I couldn't do that. I finish Pilates. I go to Miss Bliss, check in with the staff, grab my morning coffee, come home, have something to eat and sit down at my desk and start my day. So every three times a week. Lunch break for me is at my grandma's house, which is in the same apartment block, which is amazing. So I don't have to think about lunch. Um, But yeah, I just, 
put my head down and just get things done. Let's talk about your family. You just lit up mentioning your grandma. (laughs) So you live in the same apartment complex. You live above her. What's that relationship mean to you? It is, it's a blessing. I I cannot explain it any other way. She is an angel sent from heaven. The most, like you meet her and everyone, like you just meet her and she is just the most warming, beautiful lady you've ever met in your life. And I've even said it in the last few months. So three months ago, my grandfather passed away and our relationship has just, it's just been insane. I never would have thought to say that my grandma is my best friend. I tell her everything. I absolutely love it. We'll sit down and eat like tubs of ice cream. You know, what what did we watch the other day? Mama Mia together on the couch. It's just, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful and I would not change it for the world. Very special relationship. I'm sure she thinks you're successful. From anyone's view of success, you're nailing it. You've got your own business. You've found enough flexibility to focus on other projects that you enjoy. You've got a supportive family. You've got some amazing friends. You're ticking all of those boxes. Do you feel successful? I feel like for me, success isn't like a a defined point. I'm not going to wake up one morning and be like, oh my God, I'm successful now. It is having balance and that is such a hard thing to find. I hate saying it, but routine as well. And just, I think for me, it's waking up every morning and being grateful. And that's, I'm in that place now that I can wake up every morning and take a breath and be grateful that number one, I got to go to my Pilates class. You know, number two, I got to babysit my cute little niece the other day and spend a Friday with her that wasn't a work day. I get to determine my own schedule. You know, for me, all those things are what determine my success. I've spoken to a lot of people about you, about your hard work, be it your friends or some of your clients. One of your closest buddies went on to describe you as driven, purpose-filled and sure of yourself. Tell me about being purpose-filled. What is the why behind what you do? I do, I feel like, it all revolves around my faith and my family and my friends as well, you know, but they are to me my family in that sense. So I think I want to be able to build a lifestyle that I can spend with my cousins, with my grandparents, with my dad, with my mom, with my nephews and nieces. Like that's my purpose. And I want to be able to have more experiences rather than things. So that's sort of what gets me from A to B. And how does that translate to the way you live your life on a daily basis, do you think? I'm very determined in that sense. Like I, if I have something to do, I will get it done um, because for me, I know the outcome of it, whether it is getting something done a day earlier of a deadline so I can spend the weekend with my family or whether it is pushing myself to my limits with my work so I know in my future I'm going to be able to live a little bit of a more flexible lifestyle. And I think that's something... I've always done when Miss Bliss first opened and there were those days that like I would come home and cry on the floor some days because I'm like, what am I doing? Why is this happening? You know, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm sore. It would just come back to it will pay off in the end. And it has. When you were facing those moments, did you ever think about throwing it in? Did you think why, why continue with Miss Bliss? Maybe I could just sell the business and do something else? I don't think it was really throwing it in. It was more... There were times of doubt, of course. There's been times of doubt in everything. There were times of doubt in my degree. There were times of doubt, you know, in personal life, things going on as well. But 
there's a scripture in the Bible, the book of Job, which is something about persistence and um, just keep pushing forward. That for me is something that I was like, my the good will come out of this. And I know that the good will come out of everything. You do something, you know, in in the word of love, if you do something that way, it will come. Hard work and perseverance definitely yeah. creates character. And yeah. I think if we're not going through those times, we're not really living. Something that speaks volumes of your character is a coffee program that you run at Miss Bliss. You donate 20 cents from every cup to a children's charity called Paradise for Kids, which is in Sierra Leone in West Africa. Um, You've been there several times yourself. Why is it important to you that you support that community or give back in any sense? It's something that I have, I guess before I went to Sierra Leone in 2012, it was more, oh, okay, like, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to see what it's like. And, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks landing in the airport, which was like a tin shed and seeing how these people live. And it was, it came back to why, why them and why not me? And it was for me, I see it as this faith or chance or whatever it is that they were born into that opportunity that isn't fair. And especially working with a lot of young kids, children don't have the choice, you know, to clean water. Like it was just the, the things that we take for granted so much were so just far from them. And children were sick and dying because they didn't have hand washing bays or toilet blocks or, you know, clean running water. And I came home after, you know, that trip. And I think for about three weeks, I was quite a bit of a mess and I didn't know what to do. And for me, it was, okay, maybe I'm not the person to be over there and work on the ground. I don't know if I'm actually that strong, but I could be the person to be here and pledge to be able to help as much as possible. You know, in Australia, we're very blessed. We have, I think you don't realise how much you have until you actually see what's going on in these in these countries. So for me to be able to say, hey, I'm going to do what I can and hope that that, you know, if it saves one child's life, it's all worth it. 20 cents doesn't sound like a lot of money. Tell me what that translates to across a month or a year in terms of what you're able to do over there. So it ends up being in a month we can feed, we'll get enough rice to all three of the schools that we help to feed them for a month. And these schools, oh, I used to have, I can't remember the exact, but about 500 kids, you know, to be able to feed them and to feed their communities. So every Sunday, I remember we were there there's a church service and then after that service, the gates of the school open and people come in and there's just food to be able to give to people, whether it's cooked food or raw rice or oil or anything, that's what it goes towards. So um, we also early on in the program built a medical clinic, a toilet bay, a hand washing um, area for the kids and did a little bit of a program to teach them on you know, how to wash their hands and hygiene and things like that. So it's been something very close to my heart since the day I landed there. Speaking about your nature and desire to give back, coronavirus has been a horrible time for everyone. And in an area like yours, Miss Bliss, like so many other cafes, was forced to shut its doors. What was that time for you like as a business owner? It was it was very hard. It was very – I had to think about – everything was moving so fast – so it was one day it was like, oh, okay, cool. 
you know, we're just doing takeaway. It's fine. We're turning over enough money. That'll be fine within 24 hours to go down to less than a quarter of what we were doing on just takeaway. It was just so heart-wrenching. And I remember every single night. So my cousin, Sam, owns Cheeky Pokey and it was every night I was at his office and we were just there together, like just brainstorming, just what's going to work, what's not going to work. We need to update the website. We need to update this. We need to let people know. How are we going to get people, more people through the door? How are we going to get meals to people? Like all these different things. And it just felt like you were just bombarded. And then every new restriction or rule that came out, it was just, it was heart-wrenching. And then it got to the point that I remember coming home one day and going up to my grandma's house and she was like, what's wrong? And I just burst into tears. I was like, I had to let people go today. You know, like I've said, my staff, like my family. So to be able to be like, I don't know if I can, I can't have you anymore. I, you know, I don't have a position for you anymore, but I also don't know when or if I ever will. So that was, that was the hardest thing. And it got down to three staff at one point. And then I just had to, you know, we pulled them all in the kitchen. I remember that day and I said, guys, Friday's our last day. I don't know what to tell you. It's been a pretty brutal time for everyone, definitely. At the same time, nutrition being such a big part of who you are and wanting to provide wholesome meals to people, you went on a bit of a mission to to make food for other people. Tell me about that. So it actually started off at um, one of my favourite cafes in New Said Kin & Co were doing coffee for um, healthcare workers like a pay it forward scheme. And I had made, we had made a whole lot of soups and like packaged them up. And I was like, I remember just getting in the car, grabbing a whole lot of soups out of the cabinet and driving over. And I was like, hey guys, give these to whoever. You know, at that point, um, my grandfather was fairly sick. And we, there was a lot of times I had ambulances come to the house and I'm the port of, I was always the port of call to, you know, get the paramedics inside to his house and help him. And seeing what these people deal with and what they go through just was so they're literally just amazing people. You have to have a big heart to be a healthcare worker and you have to, you're leaving your kids at home, your family at home. And then in the instance of coronavirus, are you not being able to go home and hug your kids because you know your what area you're working in? Are you not able to have a dinner with your family? So for me, I remember just thinking one night, I was like, what are we going to do? How can we do this? I wasn't in the position to forefront the costs of it myself but I was like if we can put a something up on our website and people can go and purchase a meal for someone we can deliver it so my beautiful staff we said every Thursday they volunteered their time because they didn't have a position with me at that point to come in cook meals I had suppliers that were like oh yeah here give this to you half price or free or whatever and people were just like I just remember waking up one morning and my email my inbox was just like flooded with new orders and I was like whoa I was like okay we've got a lot to cook we actually had to break it up over a few weeks because I was like I also am conscious of the hospitals only having a certain amount of space for that amount of food um met some beautiful people especially the RBWH like it and I wanted to hug everyone I'm a big hugger and I couldn't hug anyone and it was just it was it was beautiful and it was really nice and we even got in contact with um, an organization in West End who helped feed the home, homeless. And I was like, we've got all these meals come, you know, where can I deliver them? Or if you want to come pick them up, just in that point, I just wanted to help people. 
Speaking of wanting to help people, at that same time, you had some personal things happening for yourself as well. We've talked about you being from a Greek family and that being such a fundamental part of your life. You're a devoted aunt and you hope to be a mother one day. That's led to some big choices regarding your fertility and you recently decided to freeze your eggs. Because of coronavirus and, you know, elective surgeries being put on hold, you're still in the process of planning to get to that. But tell me, what's led to that decision? I I think, well, I want to turn 30 thinking that that was like a big number. I realized, okay, I'm not in a relationship and I haven't been for a very long time. So in the sense of best case scenario, meet someone tomorrow, everything's beautiful. I'm still not going to have children for quite a while. Seeing in this day and age, you hear these horror stories of, you know, fertility issues and things like that. And I think it got to a point where I was like, hey, I actually need to look after myself a little bit. I am... I am known as, you know, I'm quite that person who will do everything to help everyone else. So it was quite scary and it was a process that I really wanted to sort of look into on my own. So I remember going, you know, to appointments and, you know, getting blood tests and things to see about my AHM levels and where I'm at and got the test back and had an appointment with, you know, Eve Health um, with the fertility clinic and walked in there and I was all like, oh yeah, I can do this. This is great secretly deep down, I was hoping they were going to say, oh, you've got plenty of time. Don't worry. Walked in, sat down and they told me that my AHM levels were quite low and that let, sure, let's get started. What's an AHM? Well, what does that translate to? Anti-hormonal. I don't, can't tell you the exact, but it helps work out. The quality or? Yes, the quality and the quantity of eggs. So it was more the quantity. So I had a very, very, I do have a very low count. So low that it's actually covered by Medicare even more, which is great. I just found out. So, um, but it's a sense of just the doctor saying, okay, yep, let's get started. I was praying that it was like, oh, we can do it in a, you know, two years, three years, give it a go then. Um, Even, so then I went through the process of going to see a naturopath to say, okay, if I've got a low count, how can we make the quality better? Because there is, this is an insurance policy and that's a lot of people think, oh, it's like an insurance policy. It is not. They might only get a few eggs and then all of them won't be able to be frozen and then defrost, defrosting, it sounds really weird, but defrosting them and things like this, it's not an insurance policy. So it was like, okay, I went on full organic. Like I can't remember how many supplements I was taking a day. This horrible powder that tastes like fish, like just all these crazy things that I was trying to do. And I did it for four months and then it was like, right, okay, we can start. Then I wasn't allowed to. And I think I didn't think about it. Everything, lots of other things started happening, didn't think about it until a few weeks ago. And I was like, crap, like this is reality. And when it sinks in, it is sort of like, I said this to one of my girlfriends the other day. It's like, I had this sense of, well, I failed, you know, like I'm 32 and I haven't met anyone and I haven't had a kid. You know, this is like the step I have to take. And I know that's just a mindset thing for me. And I know deep down that's not it. I'm making this decision for my future. But there is some sense of what have I done? What's wrong with me? Or what have I done wrong? And it's very, it is, it's very, it's a very emotional process. And, you know, I know I'll be fine. I've got so many. I have girlfriends are like, oh, we'll come around. We'll help you, you know, inject and whatever has to be done. But it is just... I think it's it's a more mental thing rather than physical. Like 
I can inject myself with a needle, whatever I need to do, but it is more the mental thing behind, okay, this is just what has to be done. And, you know, putting my body through that, let's just go with it. As someone who's been on a journey of having their eggs harvested, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a very mental battle. And even when you think you're getting on top of it, you kind of revert back. But I just want to applaud you because there's so much wisdom in taking control of the situation you're in at this point. And it just will be able to give you such a peace of mind because I've got girlfriends who are 29 who have had those levels tested and found out they virtually have no eggs Mm. and that they're almost premenopausal in their late 20s. And a lot of people unaware of this sort of stuff. So I think it's wonderful that you share your story as well with other people to encourage them. And let's get rid of the stigma surrounding this, that it's not okay. This is the world we're living in. And for you to be able to be a mum one day, that's perhaps what you have to do. It's a blood test. It was a blood. And I'm like, I wish I knew at 25, at 26, at 27, whatever. And for me, I think the shock of them saying you've got really low levels was the worst. So, hey, if it helps one person get tested early and do something about it then that's all it takes absolutely you've achieved a lot in your 20s you're only 32 now is there anything on your list still what are your hopes and dreams as you move forward over the next couple of years I well look I really want to do Italy for three months that's been it was going to happen this year (laughs) not happening at the moment but I want I love immersing myself in different cultures and their food not just, yeah, I don't know, not just the surface level. I want to learn deeper. I want to, you know, especially you'll find a lot of cultures, food and family go hand in hand. I want to learn that. So for me, the goal was to go to Italy and do that. Last year, I went to Cuba and Mexico and just learned amazing things about food I've never known before. And for me, being able to do that is something really important. Um, a cookbook one day is like this dream that I would love to do. So I think right now it's actually after the last few years with Miss Bliss, giving myself a breather, but still doing things I love and just see how things go. Like I don't have any massive expectations because I know how easily something can change. And hasn't this year taught us that? (laughs) 2020, the (laughs) curveball. Well, I have no doubt that whatever you put your hand to, you will be crazy successful or if not, at the very least, determined. We know that you're the hardest working person <laughs> I can think of. Jackie, thank you so much. You are a breath of fresh air, so much gusto. I love talking to you. You just light up when you talk about things that you're passionate about. So thank you so much for spending 30 minutes with me. And if you haven't, make sure you check out Miss Bliss in West End. They'll take beautiful care of you and make sure you follow Jackie on social media. I'll put her bio, I'll put her a link to her profile in the show notes. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you for having me.